Welcome back to another episode of College Students in the United States, a podcast at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. My name is Colin Trui, and I am a current first-year student in the Educational Administration grad program, and I serve as a graduate assistant in the College of Education and Human Sciences, where I work in undergraduate recruitment. Today, I'm going to be talking about college students with disabilities. I'll give you guys some insight into who these students are, their needs, and some areas where we can improve our knowledge and serve them better. Joining me today is a very special guest, and I am so excited for you guys to hear this interview because I met with the Director of Services for Students with Disabilities here at UNL, Sam Gooden. In our conversation, we talk about his role at UNL, as well as his current projects and how COVID has provided new challenges. So like I said, it's going to be a great show, and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. So I want to give a little bit of background information, just talk a little bit about who students with disabilities are. But before I get into that, I think it's important to highlight and talk about how we should refer to them. So more often than not, students with disabilities should be referred to in just that manner. So occasionally you'll hear them called disabled students um, or something of that nature. And while some will say it's appropriate because um, you're not hiding the disability or something like that, uh, a lot of people advocate for, and I'm a believer in using person first language as it gives the individual the power over their disability and not the other way around. So calling them students with disabilities um, gives them their identity back versus putting them in this box and making them only be disabled students. Now that we understand how to refer to these students, I want to talk a little bit about who they are. And I think it's important to start with the stereotype. A lot of times when people think of a student with disabilities, they're going to think of someone in a wheelchair. And while, yes, this is a student with disabilities, this isn't the only one. But humans are such visual creatures that we, we like to judge things with our eyes. And I want to leave you guys with a phrase. It's visibility of disability. So there's a lot more that we can't determine with our eyes. There are invisible disabilities, quote unquote. And those are going to be like learning disabilities is mainly what I'm talking about here. In fact, two-thirds of uh, students on college campuses never report their disability to the university, and that's because they know that they're perceived as less worthy of accommodations than those who have a physical disability. So just because their peers can't see their disability, um, they don't feel comfortable reporting it to receive accommodations. And this can be detrimental to those students. You know, it can hurt their learning experience and their overall college experience because they're not going to be doing as well in classes, potentially, because they're not receiving the accommodations that they need and that they deserve. So once we fix the stigma around um, students who don't have a visually obvious uh, disability, then they'll be able to get the help that they need. They'll be able to receive accommodations and they'll find better success in the classroom. They won't feel as bad about coming forward or reporting um, their disability. And so a lot of times, like I said, those are going to be learning disabilities. But something else that I think is important to talk about with students with disabilities is that a lot of times they're only seen as having one identity. And when I'm talking about this, I am talking about um, students who have like a physical disability um, because students with learning disabilities don't face this problem as much. So what I'm talking about, though, is students will often feel isolated on their college campus because no matter how many other identities they possess, they're only viewed as being a student with disabilities. So, for example, if there was an African-American student and they wanted to join the Black Student Union, they can, but they're still just seen as a student with disabilities and they feel like they're not seen as equal within the group because um, they're seen as the student with disabilities first. Like they feel like their one identity controls everything about them. So that's something else that colleges need to be aware of and maybe even look to start different organizations um, for students with disabilities. And um, I am talking specifically, like I said, about students with physical disabilities, but these are the ones who feel most isolated by their disability. But that's just a little bit about who these kind of students are and like a little bit about this population. 
Um, but I do also think it's important to highlight some of their current needs and challenges. So I talked a little bit about the, the identity crisis, but uh, I want to go ahead and dive a little bit deeper into some of the other current challenges that they're facing on college campuses. In addition to the struggles or challenges of like student perception and student identities, one of the biggest challenges that students with disabilities face is within the class structure itself. And it kind of brings to light the idea of universal design. Universal design is a way to teach or educate that meets the needs of all the students in the classroom. And it pretty much gets rid of or um, greatly reduces the need for special accommodations. And so what universal design is, is it's pretty much just a way for instructors or professors to think of all students and to be inclusive with the way that they teach and how they teach things. So, for example, closed captioning on videos is helpful for like deaf students or students with hearing impairment. But for some reason, like the closed captioning or like even the transcripts of the videos are not always easily available when it's presented to the class. Um, so if these courses were designed with the needs of all students in mind, then the special accommodations wouldn't be necessary. You know, the students um, who have hearing impairments wouldn't have to request those extra. It would already be provided and so they wouldn't have to do extra work. It's just an expectation. So often, though, you know, you're going to see professors, they'll design a course, but then they'll try and make special provisions or they'll try and help students um, with disabilities uh, get through certain things. And so once again, in this kind of situation, I'm going to be talking about students who have physical disabilities, but professors will attempt to give extra leeway or exceptions to assignments. Uh, and this is another struggle that students with disabilities face. So they have their accessibility office to help them receive whatever necessary support that they need. Uh, so then anything extra that's provided or offered by the professor can often leave these students feeling um, secluded or singled out in class and uh, maybe like they can't complete something or like the professor is trying to make it easier for them because um, they don't believe in them. So we are, however, kind of in an interesting time with COVID-19. Um, so COVID's changing how classes are structured for everyone and how all students are operating within the class. And so this could be a good time to help change class structures to make the class better for all students. Um, moving forward. And so during this time, you know, that people are taking a high degree of classes online, professors are putting in a lot of extra work. Um, and I believe, you know, you are seeing results that are kind of indicating um, they are being more inclusive for all students. And so if professors can take this level of effort in this class structure that they're working on now when classes are um, primarily online and move that and continue that on when classes return to like a high degree of in-person, um, then you're going to see like that that's a good step towards in like implementing universal design and working towards making classes more inclusive as a whole. But there are other ways besides this that we can support students with disabilities, um, but it's really going to go back to spreading like the information and working on helping to end um, the stigma. And so starting student organizations, you know, bringing speakers to campus, sharing information, holding um, information sessions, and even just working to build greater community on campus are all different ways that people um, within student affairs and people within college campuses can help to support students with disabilities. So now that I've kind of talked through who these students are and you have a better understanding of some of the obstacles that they face, I want to bring on our special interview guest, Sam Gooden. Uh, so like I mentioned a little bit earlier, Sam is the Director of Services for Students with Disabilities here at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Um, he helps students with disabilities overcome the obstacles that I talked about every single day. Um, and so he's going to provide some really important and really cool insight to us. All right. And today I am joined by special guest Sam Gooden, the Director of Services for Students with Disabilities here at UNL. Sam, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, given the circumstances. How are you? You know, I, I would have to say the same. I really can't complain too much. Um, 
Well, I want to I want to kind of get a little bit of background on you um, as we get started with this. So, what got you interested in working in higher education and disability services? What really attracted me to this field, and this goes back to when I was an undergraduate, um, is that if you are working with someone who, for some reason or another, some part of their body doesn't work the way it does for everybody else, education can be the great equalizer. And it's just that is fundamental to the work that I and others in my field have done. And the studies actually show that the unemployment rates for people with disabilities tend to be very high until you give them a college education, rather until they get a college education, and then they come very, very close to their other counterparts. So it works. Very cool. Um, and so what, what would you say, like, can you tell me about your path to becoming director here at UNL? I know you spent time at some other big, big 10 institutions, but, um, how did you end up back at Nebraska? Uh, actually this is my first time in Nebraska. Oh, okay. Um, I originally started, uh, as a junior in high school, working at a summer camp, uh, that was for people with disabilities. And then when I went away to college, I was looking for just a work study job. And I thought, I know something about disabilities. So I walked into the office at Southern Illinois University that supported students with disabilities. And they hired me to be a van driver. And I've been doing it ever since. You asked me the question about what got me into the field. So uh, I'll tell you a story that I often tell when I get that question. And that is, I told you that I got hired into the Disability Sports Services Office at Southern Illinois University mm -hmm. as a senior. And one of the very first conferences for people that were doing that work was held by my boss um, in Carbondale, Illinois. And he brought together about eight, nine people that were doing the work at the very, very beginning when very few people were doing it. He brought them together right around Christmas time to the Holiday Inn and they held one of the first conferences, more or less, for people that were in this profession. And uh, since I was a van driver at the time, Ron asked me if I'd be willing to come by with the van, pick up all of these people and take them out to the airport uh, when the conference was over. And so it was snowing and, and I went out and they jumped in the van and I headed to the airport and all of these people started to sing Christmas carols. And I remember looking in the rearview mirror of the van of these people and thinking, I want to spend the rest of my life with people like this. Kind of a light bulb moment for you. Exactly. You got it. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. That's a good story. Can you, can you talk a little bit about, um, like, or what would you say is, like, the biggest misconceptions about, like, the work that you do or the services that your office provides? Um, that's such a great question. Um, it doesn't happen as much anymore, but for the longest time, you'd meet some relatives or you'd go to a party and... I'd say what I do, and the sort of responses that I got were things like, oh, you must have the patience of a saint, or that must be so rewarding. And it is rewarding, and sometimes requires some patience, but uh, there's nothing saintly about this. This is uh, a job that I do that I get paid to do and that I like, and uh, this notion that somehow or another I have to have a little halo in order to do the work, sort of silly. Yeah, <laughs> it, it kind of is. Well, it, it feels like you're just doing stuff to help people out. I mean, this should be common practice. 
Yeah, it really is. Yeah. It's perfect. Um, okay, so then are there any important projects or any new things that you and your office are working on right now? Um, I can think of one that we just uh, – I'm trying to get off the ground right now, and that's uh, trying to create a tactile map of campus uh, so that blind student can learn their way around. Uh, but more than anything else, looking in the long run, what's really exciting about this job is the development of the new technology. When I just look at what has happened during the time that I've been involved in this, uh, we've developed computers that a high-level quadriplegic can speak and his words or her words go into a word file. We've developed computers that can listen. Um, just the basic technology of of word processing and the ability to spe spell check and also uh, check grammar for students with learning disabilities, that's phenomenal. As a matter mm -hmm. of fact, I like a great deal as well. Um, so is it, nine times out of ten, there's something that's absolutely thrilling that's related to technology. Yeah. Um, and I, I would imagine, especially with COVID happening, um, you know, there's been a lot of reliance on technology then. Yeah, what's actually been interesting about COVID is some of the things that we've been doing forever because students had disabilities have become mainstream. Uh, this notion that um, that students who do remote access for for many many things are things that students with disabilities have been doing for a long long time. A lot of students with disabilities find it too challenging to be on campus that much and have chosen programs that allow them to do remote access. Um, the, the notion that we uh, provide um, uh, text along with audio for some lectures is something that we've been doing for a long time. Um, it's, it hasn't been so much that things changed for us, but some of the things that everybody else is seeing now are things that, that we've been doing for a while. That's interesting. So, so did like, did you guys like help, um, like work with the university to help make it more mainstream or did they just kind of figure out that you guys were already doing this? I don't think there were some places where I'm sure people picked up on things from us. Mm -hmm. uh, for staff member of mine worked very hard to, uh, be able to provide the face shields so that people could actually see the speech. A deaf person could see the speech on the faculty member's face because they're speech treating this faculty member. So they can't have the mask on that the rest of us are wearing. Well, that is something that any number of people picked up on and, and like it whether they have a deaf student in the class or not. So there are some cases where people have picked up on, on things, um, but these are all really, really bright people who, who problem solve very well on their own as well. Yeah. Um, so has COVID, you said, you know, some of the things that um, everyone else is doing, you guys were already kind of doing. So has COVID really affected you guys or how has it changed how you guys operate and like the services you provide? You know, I don't know that it has, it changed delivery mechanisms, but how much of a difference does it make if a person is, um, taking a test online and we tell a faculty member they need to go into uh, the test and give the person an extra 15 minutes to complete the test. That isn't anything horribly complicated or, or difficult. 
Uh, so it hasn't changed things in that respect. I think where it has changed things for us is the same way that it has changed things for everybody. Namely, um, you can start to go sort of stir crazy sitting in your own office looking at your computer screen for 8 to 12 hours a day. Uh, you sometimes really just want somebody to walk into your office and say hi, or in my case, roll into my office and say hi. Yeah. Uh, same sorts of things that I think everybody misses in the time of COVID impact us, and I think that's probably more important than anything that's disability-related. Yeah, definitely. Um, so do you see, like, if COVID or the pandemic kind of continues – um, what kind of changes do you see like universities having to make um, for students with disabilities and maybe even specifically like learning disabilities or that kind of stuff to help accommodate them um, if students aren't able to come to campus as much as they were in the past? I think we basically, if it continues, all that means is we continue to do the things that we've started doing with COVID now. If it continues until next week versus continues until next year, nothing really changes for us. We've made the adjustment. We just continue to operate this way. Uh, other than the fact that I think I would start to pay more and more attention to doing things that would sort of help the staff uh, work within this new reality. Yeah, I definitely see how that could be beneficial for staff and for students. Well, Sam, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you coming on the podcast today, uh, and I hope you have a good rest of your semester and that you can stay healthy. Okay, you too. <laughs> Thank care. you. Yep, bye-bye. That was an awesome interview with Sam. You know, I am very grateful that he was willing to meet with us, and uh, I think it's always nice to hear from someone working in the profession to see what their thoughts and reactions are to current events, how they're handling them, and uh, just see if there's any, um, you know, special insights that they can give us. And I feel like um, he was able to do that with us. And so I thought that was really cool. But now it's time for my closing thoughts. So I want to talk through just a few potential questions that could be researched more um, on how we can help and support students with disabilities a little bit better. So one of the first questions is how to make campuses more inclusive. And what I mean by this is when you think about um, physical college campuses, a lot of times you're going to see old buildings that were built way, way back. Um, and so, you know, they might not have all the proper ADA accessibility um, and they might just not be as inclusive or welcoming to students with disabilities. And once again, I am talking about students with physical disabilities here. Um, but, you know, I think it's just important to increase inclusive designs and options um, as buildings are being renovated and updated. That's awesome. And that's good. But I just think that we need to make sure that we have multiple places where these students can get around. And that way, it's not like they have one entry point, and one extra exit point. Um, I think it's important just to be thoughtful of them as we continue to update our campuses um, and to continue to update campuses because buildings that were built, um, you know, 50 years ago probably don't have the proper accommodations that uh, are going to meet modern students' needs. Another um, kind of question or another topic I kind of want to leave you guys with is how to create a better COVID accommodation. So what can we do to make sure that students with learning disabilities are receiving support during a time where all students are feeling isolated? And I feel like COVID is going to be a, a research topic that um, is going to be very prominent in the next couple of years. And as we look at how students reacted to the pandemic and how colleges responded to those needs that students demonstrated. Um, but I think it's just important, especially students you know, who already are not uh, reporting their disability to the university um, to see how can we support them and how did we do um, 
Like what kind of a job do we do supporting those who have reported that need to the university? Um, and then just one final uh, thought here with it is how can we implement universal design and how can we push um, to keep the momentum that maybe we've kind of started with COVID? Because um, I feel like with COVID, there has been um, some work towards universal design uh, just with classes being online and uh, greater resources being given to students. Um, so how can we take like this momentum and actually push professors to maintain this kind of level of inclusion, this level of effort um, for inclusive materials for all students once they return to predominantly like in-person classes? Um, I think that's something that uh, we can look at and it'll be interesting to see how university uh, officials and university, um, you know, respond to uh, the transition back into in-person classes. But those are just some closing thoughts for you guys. Uh, I think that's all the time that we have for today. So I want to thank you all for tuning into this edition of College Students in the United States. Please check out the other podcasts to learn more about other populations of students on college campuses. Love y'all. Peace.